Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Everybody standing here at Richmond, why not? This one's going to come right down to the end. One to go here. White flag is out. Hamlin in traffic. Harvick closing in. It's Hamlin and Harvick back to turn number one. Hamlin will jam it in three wide to the inside of Almarola and Joey Logano. He'll make the pass. Harvick does the same for the final time at the back straightaway. It is all Denny Hamlin at the Richmond Raceway. He's opened up four car links on Kevin Harvick in lap traffic off turn four. The streak has been broken. Denny Hamlin sees the checkered flag, and Hamlin wins the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway. I don't know. You just have a tough season, and you know, things aren't going well. And it seems like everything's the brakes aren't going your way, and then you know the law of averages said things are going to kind of work out, and we get our performance better. And today's the day where it all matches up. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you for our weekly get-together. And, friends, we are in the middle of short track racing season. Richmond under our belts last weekend. We've got Martinsville coming up this weekend and Bristol Dirt the following weekend. So we've got lots of short track talk coming your way over the course of the next 60 minutes. Speaking of Martinsville Speedway, Martinsville's celebrating its 75th anniversary and the NASCAR Hall of Fame has unveiled a huge exhibit honoring the racetrack. We were there to cover the big event and we'll chat with some of the biggest Martinsville players. A big Martinsville player of our own is NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace. Rusty will join us on the show today. Now, with a mix of all the track lengths under our belt now to start the 2022 season, it's the perfect time to talk spring sizzlers and slumbers. Dan Hubbard will do exactly that. We're going to preview the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 race weekend at Martinsville. Let's get a history of the track ahead of its 75th anniversary. But first... Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle? Mike, it is time to let the debate begin. Yesterday's NASCAR Hall of Fame announced the nominees for the 2023 Hall of Fame class. Former Cup Series champion Matt Kenseth headlines the first-time nominees as he joins championship-winning crew chief Tim Brewer as first-time candidates of the modern-era ballot. In the Pioneer class, 
Daytona 500 winner A.J. Foyt has been added, and Sam Ard returns to the list after being a finalist in 2020. A 62-person panel will meet in May to vote on who will be inducted into next year's class. Two members of the Modern Era finalists will be chosen, along with one from the Pioneer category. A 63rd vote will also go to the winner of the NASCAR.com fan vote. Voting is currently open at NASCAR.com slash Hall of Fame and ends on April 29th. A member of this year's NASCAR Hall of Fame class will return to the track this weekend. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will make his lone Xfinity Series start in Friday's call 811 before you dig 250 at the Martinsville Speedway. Earnhardt Jr. has long said Martinsville is one of his favorite tracks and he will try to score another grandfather clock driving for his own junior motorsports team in the number 88 car. And it will be a big week in general for junior motorsports as Sam Mayer tries to score back-to-back -back NASCAR Xfinity Series Dash for Cash bonuses. Mayer will be joined this week by Ty Gibbs, A.J. Allmendinger, and Riley Herbst. The highest finisher out of those four on Friday night walks away with a $100,000 bonus. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll hear all about the exhibit the NASCAR Hall of Fame has put together for Martinsville Speedway, and later we'll give you a history of the paperclip. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Martinsville Speedway is celebrating 75 years of short track racing, and the NASCAR Hall of Fame has noticed they unveiled a special exhibit honoring the paperclip and we were there for the occasion. As we uh, recognize the 75th anniversary of Martinsville Speedway. Um, we have some distinguished guests with us today. Um, first, we have Clay Campbell, Vice President of the Mid-Atlantic Region, and of course, longtime President of Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Mike Helton, Senior Advisor to NASCAR. Ben Kennedy, the Senior Vice President of Racing Development and Strategy for NASCAR. The King, most wins at Martinsville Speedway, NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty. NASCAR Hall of Fame Crew Chief, Dale Inman. And the Executive Director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Winston Kelly. Clay, this day, 75 years of Martinsville Speedway, what's it mean to you to be at the NASCAR Hall of Fame today? Well, obviously, 75 years of anything is, is significant. And to be in the Hall of Fame to recognize 75 years of Martinsville Speedway is, is just an amazing day. Uh, this is a great this is a great way to start off the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 week. Uh, I couldn't think of a better place to be uh, with a lot of friends out here in the in the audience. Thank thanks to everyone for being here today, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the exhibit. I have not seen it myself, so I'm I'm just like you. I'm going to see it at the same time you do. But you know, thanks to Winston, to Kevin, Wendy. Uh, am I missing somebody? A lot of people had a lot of work to Tom, do with Jennifer, this. Tom, Jennifer, tons of them. Yeah, uh, Tom. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, we made a trip to Daytona and went, went through archives weeks ago, and and uh, they were a great help to us. So. This is a, a monumental day for us, and, uh, and uh, I certainly appreciate everybody coming out and, and, uh, and, and sharing the, this occasion. Mike, when you think about the history of NASCAR, what does Martinsville Speedway mean? 
Well, when you put it in perspective, we were racing at NASCAR before there was a Wii. I mean, at Martinsville before there was a NASCAR. And so that plays right about anything that you can celebrate that's got a 75 attached to it is pretty spectacular. And, and in all the historic moments, and I think most everybody knows how fond I am of history, but particularly NASCAR's history. And everybody in this Hall of Fame, I was thinking a minute ago, and I can't think of an inductee in this Hall of Fame that their career, they had a moment at Martinsville that made them Hall of Fame worthy. And when you think about the fact that, that these cars were racing on the racetrack there before organ, uh, the NASCAR was organized, and all the historic moments and all the fan exciting moments that Martinsville has made in the 75 years that's helped build NASCAR and make NASCAR uh, what it is today. That's pretty spectacular, and so the, uh, the fact that you can sit and talk about a historic, iconic facility, but oh, by the way, in a few days, go watch another race unfold there that's gonna create more history and more iconic moments, uh, that's pretty spectacular. Ben, your family has been involved at Martinsville Speedway since the beginning, and um, can you share a little bit, not just about your family being involved, but also, Martinsville today and Martinsville's future in the sport of NASCAR. Yeah, I think to uh, to Mike's point, certainly a lot of great history and tradition at Martinsville Speedway. Um, actually, I had the opportunity to compete at Martinsville for a number of years, and uh, one of the most challenging tracks, but one of my my favorite tracks too because it was challenging. And you know, I think in the lines of a lot of that that history and tradition, and to Mike's point. You know, think of all the people that have come to the Hall of Fame, a majority of them have had to compete at Martinsville and they've had to win at Martinsville too. And I think it's such a big staple on our schedule when you think about all those different iconic venues that we have on the schedule, whether it's Daytona or Bristol or Indianapolis, um, Martinsville falls into that same bucket. And as you think about kind of Martinsville today and Martinsville in the future, you know, when we announce a 2020 schedule, we announce that Martinsville is going to move to a night race. It was the most anticipated change of the 2020 schedule that we had across the entire uh, uh, fan base. And I think that was kind of an important moment for us to realize, hey, you know, Martinsville is an important part of the schedule. It's important for our cutoff race, too, in the playoffs. So um, I, I think it's it obviously has a ton of history and tradition, but I think from a fan perspective, it puts on a really compelling race. It's always fun to watch. I know our fans love short track racing. And, uh, you know, I think if we think about kind of traditional short track racing, um, everyone kind of points uh, to Martinsville. So really, uh, really neat track and just uh, honored to be here today. Richard, with the most wins in Martinsville history, um, when you think about all the wins that you had there, what's some memories you can share and, um, of your time at Martinsville? Now you got you to figure, I've been going up there since 1949, <laughs> so I've got a lot of memories. Uh, we first went up there, naturally it was dirt. You know, everything was out in the woods or whatever. And uh, one of the first races I remember going up there, uh, on the back stretch, there wasn't no grandstands. People just sat up there. They had to throw the caution flag one time because a couple of drunks got fighting and wound up on the racetrack. <laughs> so they had to throw the caution flag. Uh, another deal, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we was fortunate to win a bunch of races up there. Uh, talking to Clay, and uh, I think that they'd been given, he called them grandfather clocks, but they were really grandmother clocks. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I won 15 races, can I have a big clock? You know, big grandfather clock. 
He said, well, you know, if I give you one, then Kale will want one, and Daryl will want one. And I said, when they win 15 races, you can give them a big one. But <laughs> but after after he's seen the big one, then uh, they started giving all the big ones away. So, uh, you know, Clay was one of the first people that really promoted his racetrack. He kept the thing up. He had uh, azalea trees around and bushes around and all that. Uh, the big deal, I remember, he used to have them ducks out there at the pond, and uh, he had five or six drivers go out there to take a picture, and uh, we had to take our shoes off to come back <laughs> after uh, walked around where the, all the ducks and stuff had been. So, you know, I, I, again, I've got a lot of good memories, but uh, no, only I've been to every race up there except when uh, the COVID-19 come along and the uh, owners couldn't go. So uh, I've probably been to more races than even Clay over there. I don't know. <laughs> Dale, we always talk about the, the competition in Martinsville and what it means and how hard it is to race there. What's it mean for a crew chief, all the success you had there through the years racing in Martinsville? Well, let me bring one thing up for Martinsville that hadn't been mentioned. Big Clay got a train track moved. <laughs> and I don't know who had paid for that, who had the clout to do that. But uh, when, Mar when the schedule came out and we seen Martinville, you automatically thought about breaks. That, that was the key to the story. And uh, of course, Richard, he knew how to work on the car. He understood the car. He understood how to take care of the brakes and everything. And uh, I said he worked on the car. He didn't like to, but he had to sometime. But, uh, but brakes was a key then, just like Sunday, it looked like the tires were at Richmond. But uh, a lot of great memories, you know. And of course, I got the grandmother clock from April the 27th, 1969. We had a Ford, won both races that year. And uh, Martinsville was special. And Winston, this process of getting an exhibit at the NASCAR Hall of Fame started about nine months to a year ago. Can you kind of share with us about how that process came to be and some of the things we're going to see today? How do you take 75 years of history and where do you put it? And, and I give Kevin Schleischer, our exhibits director, who has come up with so many great ideas of where to do exhibits to come up with the location uh, and his team. Jennifer Spitzer, Tom Jensen, Wendy Belt, Kevin Larrabee, the whole team are the ones that worked on it. We talked about what are the themes that are important from the Speedway's perspective, but what did, what did we remember historically that needs to be in there? Uh, so if you can imagine taking a space that's 18 feet wide and five feet tall and, and trying to showcase 75 years, and uh, I did see it this morning for the first time just so I could talk about it because I'm normally like Clay. But it speaks to the depth and breadth of Martinsville Speedway. If you're in the Charlotte area, be sure to make your way to the NASCAR Hall of Fame to see this exhibit. It's full of Martinsville history and celebrating why we love this racetrack so much. Coming up, we'll continue the celebration of Martinsville with a history of the Virginia track and later... It's spring sizzler or slumber time. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.
This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Many NASCAR fans have made their way to Martinsville Speedway over the years for races, but how many of us know the history of the racetrack? It's time for a lesson on one of NASCAR's favorite racetracks. For many people, the first track that comes to mind when thinking about NASCAR is Daytona International Speedway. But there has actually only been one track on the schedule since the inception of the sport in 1948, Martinsville Speedway. The half-mile paperclip-shaped track has been a favorite stop for both drivers and fans ever since. The track is a place where every driver wants to win at, and the cream has always risen to the top. To this day, Richard Petty is still the youngest ever to win a Cup Series race at the track when he won there at age 22 in 1960. The King won there 15 times over his storied career, the most of any driver. And as he's done for the past 499 laps, Richard Petty brings the STP Chevrolet towards the bottom of the racetrack. He eases up a bit to the high groove and brings it toward the finish line. He comes across and takes the checkered flag. J.D. McDuffie spins right here in turn number one. McDuffie spins his car, gets it off the racetrack as Richard Petty has won the Virginia 500. Uh, the track was our liking today. It was good and slick, and uh, we were sticking just a little bit better than everybody all day long. And uh, we really couldn't outrun anybody, but we got all the brakes we needed, and uh, things worked out just right. The kings of short tracks dominated in the 70s at the track with Darrell Waltrip and Cale Yarborough going to victory lane multiple times. Market as the fourth Grand National win of the year, but all hangs together, and it does. Kaylee Yarborough has won the Virginia 500 for the first time since 1968. The car ran perfect. I've never run in, handled so good, Herb, and all the boys did a fantastic job of getting this car ready. And i got to thank the boys back home that's been working about three days a night, Robert and Lee and all of them at home. I sure appreciate it, boys. He's coming out of turn four, and the crowd up on their feet, giving a tremendous ovation as the checkered flag falls for car number 88 Waltrip coming down home first Darrell congratulations on a fine run thank you Ned uh, gee whiz what can I say uh, the darn thing just really went good and I had no problems and you know uh, I got to compliment the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company they put some good tires on us today and we run real strong all day long without any 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 problems whatsoever. The next king of Martinsville came in the early 90s when the Blue Deuce and Rusty Wallace had a stranglehold on the track. Rusty Wallace, he has had to battle back. His crew will get a lot of the credit for this one with that lightning fast pit stop. Rusty Wallace exits turn four. He'll win the Haynes 500. For the fourth time in the last five races here at Martinsville, Rusty Wallace will win the Haynes 500. Part of the reason that winning at the track is on every driver's bucket list is because it features the coolest trophy in the sport, a grandfather clock. The tradition was started back in 1964 as a nod to Martinsville's famous furniture industry. A huge number of those clocks reside at Hendrick Motorsports, about two hours south of the track. One of the most memorable and emotional wins ever for the team came when Jimmy Johnson got to victory lane after a plane crash claimed the lives of Rick Hendrick's son, Ricky, and other members of the organization. Well, Jimmy Johnson comes off turn four looking for the checkered flag. A walk in the park for Jimmy Johnson. No one anywhere close to him. He comes to the line and wins the Subway 500, his second win in a row. Well, we've excused the winner from uh, winner circle. Uh, we've been made aware that earlier today the FAA reported they lost contact with a Hendrick Motorsports airplane en route to uh, Martinsville. And they've notified the NTSB, and they're investigating uh, 
to see what you know what might have happened or what has happened um, we're working very closely with members of the Hendrick organization uh, including uh, we've had contact with Rick Hendrick uh, and we're just uh, saying extra prayers right now for the entire Hendrick organization. The track was also home to one of the biggest wins for Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career after he finally got his grandfather clock in 2014 after 14 years of trying. Runner up no more at Martinsville. Dale Earnhardt Jr. off to or off turn number four for the final time and he has won here at the Martinsville Speedway. Uh, this is very special to me. I love racing here. I came to here I came here since the early 80s as a kid. Never missed a lot of races here. Always wanted to win. I grew up in a house with a grandfather clock in it from this place, and I always wanted one. I get to take one home today. Junior likes the track so much that he's returning to racing this weekend, driving for his own team in the Xfinity Series. A year after Junior's triumph, one of the most popular wins in the history of the sport happened when Jeff Gordon secured the final win of his Hall of Fame career and secured himself a spot in the championship board. Would he win again? The answer is yes. He'll win at Martinsville. Jeff Gordon across the line for the 93rd time in his career. Jeff Gordon is going to victory lane. Oh my gosh, I didn't think they could get any better, but... Uh to win here at Martinsville in front of this crowd that stuck around. <laughs> I think you got a few fans, nobody has left. I, I, I tell you, there's, there's no greater feeling for a race car driver than to pull up to victory lane or this checkered flag or, or, or finish line and have that kind of, of, of reaction from the crowd, that reaction from my team and to have my family come up. This is unbelievable. This is, I, I really, I feel like I'm dreaming right now. I'm afraid I'm going to wake up and this is not going to be true. Since a win at Martinsville became a path to the championship, intensity at the track has ramped up, creating even more classic moments at the paperclip. Chase Elliott to the lead. Hamlin second. Kyle Busch. Oh, Elliott spins and he slams the outside retaining wall. Chase Elliott spins on the in the late going and knocks the wall down in turn four. Well, Denny Hamlin jacked up the 24. Make no mistake about that. Further back, eyes are on Kevin Harvick and they're crashing. Kyle Busch and Harvick crash. Harvick will not get to the finish line. Hamlin passes him. Denny Hamlin will get in to the playoffs. Kevin Harvick will not make the playoffs. 2022 marks the 75th anniversary at the Speedway, and we head there for the first of two cup races at the track this weekend. And if you are headed to the track this weekend, you will be sure to enjoy the epitome of short track racing, the best hot dogs on the circuit, and everything else Martinsville Speedway has to offer. 75 years of history, 75 years of memories that contain some of the biggest moments in NASCAR's history, certainly a track deserving of celebrating. Coming up, it's getting warmer out, and that means spring sizzlers and slumbers in the NASCAR Cup Series. And later, NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace will join us. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. With temperatures warming up and signs of spring everywhere, it's a great time to evaluate NASCAR Cup Series teams in our spring sizzlers and slumbers segment. Who is hot so far in 2022 and who needs some cold water to wake up? Dan Hubbard is the man who has all of the hot and cold details. 
The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series is seven races in and has provided some surprises for fans. The youth of the garage has stepped up and turned heads, collecting victories and making sure the sport knows it's their time to shine. With Denny Hamlin winning at Richmond, Kevin Harvick battling for the win, and Martin Truex Jr. grabbing a stage win, the veterans look like they had had enough of the young driver's playtime. With spring in full swing, it's time to evaluate the spring sizzlers and the slumberers of the Cup Series. Hamlin will jam it in three wide to the inside of Almarola and Joey Logano. He'll make the pass. Harvick does the same for the final time at the back straightaway. It is all Denny Hamlin at the Richmond Raceway. He's opened up four car lengths on Kevin Harvick in lap traffic. Off turn four, the streak has been broken. Denny Hamlin sees the checkered flag and Hamlin wins the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway. Denny Hamlin collected the victory in Richmond, but this is the first sign of a sizzle we've seen from him all year. Hamlin had even cracked a top 10 in 2022 going into Richmond. Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole was in a slumber, none of their drivers really making an impact. With all four JGR drivers finishing in the top 10 in Richmond, maybe this is the start of their sizzle reel for the season. Ross Chastain leading the pack. Does anyone have anything for him? No! Alba Florida's Ross Chastain wins. Trackhouse Racing is cooking up something good right now. Ross Chastain's breakthrough win was a big moment for the team and proof that he and Daniel Suarez are in the right place. Suarez is due for his turn to shine. He made vast improvements in performance and with teammate Chastain already getting there, it's only a matter of time before Suarez finds a checkered flag in his hands. A bonsai move for Austin Dillon at the bottom of the racetrack. Going to try to pull the slide job. He can't do it. Off turn four, Kyle Larson comes to the line. Austin and Dylan giving pursuit, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Wise Power 400. Larson, the winner in his home state, the Golden State Golden Boy, is headed back to Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. The team with all burners on is Hendrick Motorsports. Three of their four drivers have victories, and there's only been two races where a Hendrick driver didn't finish in the top five. Larson, Bowman, and Byron have been using everything to their advantage, and it's showing. While those three are sizzling, Chase Elliott is halfway out of his slumber. He's got four top ten finishes, but only one top five. He's led laps, and is tied for first in points with Ryan Blaney, but we certainly haven't seen the best out of the Georgia native. Mistake free and a day he will never forget. Off four, final time, checkered flag is out. Career win number one for Chase Briscoe across the line and Briscoe will win the Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway. Even with Chase Briscoe's breakthrough victory at Phoenix, Stuart Haas Racing falls under the slumber category. Kevin Harvick finally showed life at Richmond, finishing second and battling for the lead, but that was his first top five finish this season. Cole Custer hasn't cracked the top ten, Eric Almarola has one top five finish, and Briscoe has two. Maybe Richmond kicked off a different story for this team, but there's a lot of work to do. A whole bunch of Fords at the front of the field, and here they come. Sendrick trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence, and at age 23, Austin Sendrick has scored the Daytona 500 win. They crash further down after they cross the start-finish line. Outside of Austin Sendrick winning the Great American Race, Team Penske has been in a slumber. Ryan Blaney showed at Richmond leading more laps than anyone, but finished seventh. Veteran Joey Logano's highest finish is fifth, way back at Auto Club. Austin Sendrick hasn't finished in the top five since Daytona. Maybe Richmond woke something up at Team Penske. We'll find out soon. As we sprint through this short track stint, will the veterans continue to 
wake up and remind fans why they've been around for so long? Or will the sizzle that some of the young drivers seem to have be too hot to handle? There's no better way to battle it out than on short tracks. Mike? Thank you, Dan. If the veterans have woken up, those young drivers better be ready for a fight. Coming up, NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace will be here to talk Martinsville. And later, we'll preview the race weekend at the Martinsville Speedway. Rusty Wallace takes the white flag, maybe heading for victory lane after a long drought. Let's pick him up in turn two. Race fans are going wild on the backstretch in Martinsville. Rusty Wallace for the final time off the end of the backstretch has a three-car length lead advantage over Bobby Labonte. Rusty Wallace going back to victory lane in Martinsville. In two weeks, it will be three years since he had won that last victory coming at the California Speedway. He goes back to victory lane today at Martinsville Speedway in the Advance Auto Parts 500. That's how it sounded. April 18th, 2004, the last win for Rusty Wallace at the Martinsville Speedway and the last win of Rusty Wallace's driving career. We welcome you back to NASCAR Live, and we're joined by the NASCAR Hall of Famer. Rusty, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing today? I'm doing really good. Thanks a lot for being on the show and reminiscing about uh, that last win and everything that's happened in Martinsville. Martinsville Speedway and you seemed to go together over the years. Is there any one thing that sticks out to you about Martinsville over the other? Any any special memories? Uh, I, it had to be my last win, my 55th and final victory there. I'll never forget. I was racing Jeff Gordon throughout the day. Then a piece of the racetrack came up and went right through his grill and knocked his radiator out. And I went on to win the race. And uh, I think probably one of the coolest things, I was a little bit on a, a dry spell for a while there. And when I was in victory lane, standing up there, getting the, the big clock and all that, all the drivers were camp coming up to me and congratulating me. And it felt so good. I think probably because they knew I was retiring, knew that I got my last, uh, I knew that I got a win at Martinsville, which was important track to me. So that was a memory that I won't forget for a long time. We talk about trophies in this sport and you just referenced the grandfather clock. We talk about it every time we go there. Is that, in your opinion, one of the most iconic trophies in the Cup Series? Oh, I think it really is because that trophy is so big. I mean, it's a full-blown grandfather clock, and when it's not, you're not getting a little dinky trophy or nothing like that. You're getting something <laughs> that's eight foot tall almost, or seven foot tall, whatever it is. But it's uh, everybody wants to get a grandfather clock, and I got seven of them, and I'm real proud of all of them. There's no doubt about that. But I think one of the special times in my career also was. When I was retiring and my last clock that I got, I went over and gave it uh, the next morning to my crew chief, Larry Carter. Larry never wanted me to retire. He wanted me to keep racing. He had tears in his eyes when we won the last race. So I took that clock home and I said, don't say nothing to Larry, but we're going to load this baby up in a pickup truck. And we're taking it over to his house the next day. And I pulled into Larry Carter's house with that last grandfather clock. And I tell you what, I thought he was going to pass out. It was a really neat moment. Now, you gave one away, obviously, to Larry. You've won six other races. Do you still have the six other clocks, or have you given those away as well? I do. I've got a lot of my uh, trophies and clocks and everything I've got stored in the basement at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. They gave me an area down there that's almost uh, 50 foot by 50 foot, and it's all controlled, humidity controlled and all that stuff. And a lot of my helmets and a lot of my uniforms and trophies and stuff are there, and uh, all the grandfather clocks are down there also. Now, you say you have 55 cup wins. 25 of those came on short track. Seven have come at Martinsville. You no doubt were a short track master. What racing did you do before you got to the Cup Series that prepared you for racing at Martinsville? It had to be the American Speed Association where I cut my teeth. Myself, Mark Martin, Alan Quickie, all us guys. 
Davy Allison a little bit. We all raced the American Speed Association. And, and I'll tell you what, back then, Mike, you were building your own cars. You were building your own engines. You, you had to know a little bit about everything. We were painting our own cars. We'd load them up. We'd drive them to the track. And racing in the American Speed Association just taught me a ton about the car. And it taught me a ton about short track racing because we raced a lot on flat half-mile racetracks. I will tell you, none of them were identical to Martinsville, but there was a lot of them that were pretty close. Well, Martinsville, I imagine you got to keep your temper underneath of you. You've also got to keep the brakes underneath of you. We'll get into, obviously, some keys to winning on the weekend, and we'll get into all that. But what, in your opinion, does a driver need to do right for the day to go good at Martinsville? Man, you got to manage your machine. You really do. I mean, even though today the brakes on these cars are really, really good, but when I was driving to Martinsville, you constantly had to watch the brakes. And so, honestly, my car was always pretty doggone good at Martinsville, and there'll be times during the race I would come across the radio and say, look, I'm going to start throttling back early. And that meant that uh, I would start getting out of gas around the start-finish line and coast that car into the corner. But once the competition would get right up on my bumper, get close, I'd take off again. And and then I'd save the car a little bit. Then I'd take off again. Then I'd save the car a little bit. So only run the car as hard as the car needs to be run. I mean, if I'm behind or if I'm getting chased, that's another thing. But I think just managing the car. I mean, Penske used to sit up there, Roger did, on top and say, okay, when are you going to start throttling back? I said, any moment now. And so I'd start throttling back, and he said, okay, just ride, just ride, just ride. And they would watch the brake rotors. And if they start getting really red, they'd radio down and say, hey, man, those brake rotors are getting red. You better throttle back a little bit. And so I'd save those brakes, and uh, and that really helped me take care of the car to get it to all those seven wins that I got. One of the things we see short track racing is the bump and run. We saw it two weeks ago on the road course with Ross Chastain and A.J. Allmendinger. We saw it Saturday at Richmond with the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Ty Gibbs and John Hunter Nemechek. I want to ask where you are on the bump and run and some of the moves that we're seeing some of the drivers make in this day and age moving drivers out of the way to get the checkered flag. Where are you on that? I'm, I'm kind of mixed on that. I really am. I'm, I'm not a big fan of just running into somebody, knocking them out of the way and saying, okay, I won the race, and now let's, we'll all cool off. We'll, we'll give it a week to cool off, and then we'll be fine when we get to the next race. I mean, I tell you, my whole entire career, every time that happened, NASCAR would penalize you. They would do something with you, or they might put you in their back of the pack or do whatever. But, you know, we went through a, a period of time in NASCAR where it was getting a little bit on the boring side. Let's face it now. And so we kind of had to open those rules up a little bit to make it exciting. And so, you know, the bump and run happened. Uh, you know, it happened to me at Richmond, me and Jeff Gordon. I ended up losing. I'm not Richmond, but I'm talking uh, Bristol. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of, you know, lost out in that end. But I think that maybe the Jeff Gordon bump and run with me and him was the start of, hey, it's kind of okay to do this. It's so kind of okay to put the bumper to you and move you out of the way. But now it's getting pretty doggone aggressive and real aggressive, and it's like, okay, if you get to the guy, just go ahead and wreck him. And I don't like that, Mike. I really don't. Before we let you go, you were one of the best short track racers in the Cup Series, but it's a different time, different place now, and different players. In your opinion, right now, who is the best short track racer we've got? Oh, man, really, really tough question right now. I, I generally want to pop up and say, uh, uh, of, of late, Kyle Larson. But, you know, I still can't give up on a guy like Brad Keselowski, and I can't give up on a guy like Kevin Harvick that have proven that they're super good on short tracks on a, on a consistent basis. And I think what I just said, a consistent basis, to me, that's what makes a really good short, race, a short track racer, somebody that does it every single time they go. Not somebody that just shows up and has a great run one week and then doesn't do too good 
four or five times after they go back, you know. So I like that consistency. So I'm going to still stay with Keselowski. I'm going to stay with Harvick. Those two pop to the top of my mind. Good take and good perspective. Appreciate you joining us on the show. Can't wait to see you again soon. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. That's NASCAR Hall of Famer and seven-time Martinsville Speedway winner, Rusty Wallace. Coming up, we'll preview the racing at Martinsville and later this week in NASCAR history. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live, the second short track race in a series of three. And after the excitement that Richmond delivered, Martinsville has high expectations this weekend. Let's preview the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 race weekend. It's time to look forward to round two of a three-week short track swing for the NASCAR Cup Series. The best drivers in the world are once again headed to Virginia. But this week, they go from the three-quarter mile Richmond Raceway to the half-mile paperclip at Martinsville Speedway. Virginia native Denny Hamlin stopped an early season slump and ended the streak of race winners under the age of 30 with his win in Richmond. The paperclip has historically been one of Hamlin's best tracks, but he says he isn't sure the momentum gained at Richmond will transfer to this weekend. I, it, it's weak. Like Chris said, it's so week to week. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I hope not, but, you know, we win this week. We could run 15th. I, I, I have no idea. You know, until we go back to track for the second time, um, everything is so new that it's impossible to predict. Hamlin's crew chief, Chris Gabehart's strategy call was the key to victory this past weekend at Richmond, and he thinks that Martinsville might change for Hamlin more than any other track with the next-gen car, simply because how good Hamlin is there. I could see Martinsville be one of the different, more different races for a guy like Denny that we've went to yet. I mean, Denny is so honed in at Martinsville through so many different types of car over his career. But in a cup car, we just took 80 horsepower away from him. We gave him a two-inch wider tire. It's a 200-pound heavier car. It's got a higher center of gravity. It's got better brakes. He's going to go to Martinsville in the first 10 laps if he has lost his last year's Easter egg because he was so honed in on what was perfection for Martinsville for that car over so many years. And this car is going to be wildly different. So I, I think that's fun. I think, that, I think that's a lot of fun for you guys to watch. I think that's why you're seeing great racing. Um, but golly, it's a lot of learning right now for these guys, for sure. Hamlin and Gabe Hart almost won the most recent race at Martinsville last fall until a late race run-in with Alex Bowman. Battle for the leads, back in three. Bowman will not quit. He pounds his... Oh, he hits Hamlin! Danny Hamlin spins in turn four! Holy cow! Alex Bowman off for final time. Checkered flag is out. Alex Bowman will win the Xfinity 500. He'll come across the line in front of Kyle Busch. Now here on the front straightaway, Denny Hamlin has slid in front of Alex Bowman. Bowman's coming up to try to celebrate. Denny Hamlin will come up and try to run into the nose of the Alex Bowman car. Bowman's the one that wrecked Hamlin. The ending of that race created one of the most memorable moments of the 2021 season and was arguably the biggest win of Bowman's career. Now he returns to the scene of the crime in the middle of a five-race stretch where he's won at three of the tracks. The stretch certainly gives Bowman a confidence boost 
even with the differences of the new race car. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're all racetracks that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, I, I think if we saw last year's car, it'd be super confident. But, um, you know, a lot's changed this year with this race car. And I don't really know what to expect at a lot of these places with the next-gen car. So at least kind of knowing that I know what to look for and know what I need in the race car to be successful at these places is good. But trying to find that with a completely new race car is definitely going to be tough. Another former winner at Martinsville is Harrison Burton. The rookie got that win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Burton will now return to his family's home racetrack, now driving for a team in the Wood Brothers that has deep ties to the area. All of that had this date circled on Burton's schedule for a while. Yeah, I love racing in Martinsville. I love short tracks in general, and uh, Martinsville in particular is cool because uh, my family's from Virginia, and I've got a lot of you know connections to Virginia through the Wood Brothers now, so uh, it's a cool and important race for me personally. Uh, plus, I love the racetrack, so that makes it you know even better. So. Um, you know, it's, it's a really, really cool couple weekends for me at, at two of my favorite racetracks. It would certainly be a storybook weekend for the 21 team if they could upset the field and head to victory lane for the 100th time in the NASCAR Cup Series. But everyone's eyes will be on the two-time defending champion of this race. Two in a row here at Martinsville. Four of the last six on short tracks. Martin Truex Jr. takes the Sirius XM Toyota to victory lane tonight in Martinsville. Martin Truex Jr. off for final time. Checkered flag is out, and he has just scored his 29th career win. It happens here at Martinsville. Can anyone stop Martin Truex Jr. from a three-peat? The intensity will be high from the start with 100 less laps to deal with. MRN will provide flag-to-flag -flag coverage of the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 under the lights on Saturday night. MRN will have full coverage for Martinsville this weekend. That coverage will begin Thursday night with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. The Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 200, MRN Airtime, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We're double dipping on Friday. We'll have NASCAR Cup Series practice and pole qualifying at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Call 811 before you dig 250 at 7 p.m. in the East. Then we're back Saturday night, the first night race of the season. The Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400. Be sure to join us 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Coming up, it's time for This Week in NASCAR History. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. As we get ready to head for the exits here on this week's NASCAR Live, let's bring in Susie Armstrong for another check of this week in NASCAR history. Thanks, Mike. 1987, Club Nouveau kept the hits coming with the classic anthem, Lean On Me, riding atop Billboard's Hot 100. Katie Segal and Ed O'Neill introduced America to Al and Peg Bundy as Married With Children launched on Fox to begin an 11-season run. And Dale Earnhardt ran away with the show in the number three Wrangler Chevrolet, driving to Victory Lane in the first Union 400 at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Lean on me. We are not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Before it won't be long, 
white flag for Earnhardt, trying to up his percentage to 667 out of 1,000, trying to win his fourth of six races on the circuit this season. He's in turn three for the final time. Earnhardt now between three and four. He can coast home from this point. Earnhardt will come down and win his second race here at the North Wilkesboro Speedway. He won this one last year. The defending champion defends his crown and wins the first Union 400. Nineteen ninety-three, Darren Kenneth O'Brien, aka Snow, was falling on ears everywhere with mega hit Informer. A tragic plane crash claims the lives of several in the NASCAR garage, including nineteen ninety-two Cup champ and Hall of Famer Alan Kulwicki. And soldiering on through the somber news, Rusty Wallace dominated at Bristol Motor Speedway, winning the Food City 500 in Thunder Valley. It's his fourth career win at Bristol Raceway in Tennessee. He continues to be the hottest man on the circuit. Wallace wins. Earnhardt second. Kyle Petty comes home in third spot. Moments ago, Rusty Wallace completing a Polish victory lap as he went around this racetrack backwards to honor Alan Kulwicki. All of the cars today, as we told you earlier, with the number seven decal emblazoned somewhere on the automobile. It's a big deal, but it's a bigger deal to win this race for my buddy Alan and uh, do the reverse victory lane shuffle like he always done with so wonderful doing you know we miss him real bad i want to dedicate this race to him and his crew and his whole entire family and his close friends because uh it was a i don't want uh, my good run to overshadow what happened to him shake that thing miss can i can i shake that thing miss and i better shake that thing yeah donna donna jordy and rebecca woman get busy just say that booty non-stop when the beat drop just keep swinging it get jiggy get drunk up 2003, Jamaican singer Sean Paul wasn't wasting any time, quickly climbing the charts with the hand-clap rhythm hit, Get Busy. 27-year-old Texas Rangers infielder Alex Rodriguez swings his way into the record books as the youngest MLB player to smack 300 dingers. And the youthful Dale Earnhardt Jr. drove like a veteran, drafting to his fourth Talladega Super Speedway victory in the Aaron's 499. Final time in a turns three and four. It's Dale Jr. by just three yards over Kevin Harvick. The third place man is Elliot Sadler. Ricky Craven is in fourth. They're single file, but it's Dale Jr. leading the field off of turn four. The Budweiser Chevrolet comes into the trioval, works his way to the start finish line, going for four in a row at Talladega. He makes it happen, winning the Aaron's 499. Dale Jr., the winner. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. Be sure to join us this Thursday for another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. If you've already subscribed to NASCAR Live, you'll automatically get it. If you haven't, you can get it wherever you download your podcast. And, of course, we'll have NASCAR Live Race Day at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. Our thanks to NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace for joining us and for the rest of the MRN crew. I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you for joining us as well. We'll meet you right back here next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Until then, so long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman. Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. 
Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. 